Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Getting towards the middle to late part of September, the fall starting to kick in. Hope everybody's doing well. Another Sunday Perspective show. And uh, today we're going to do a little bit different format for Sunday Perspective. Uh, we are going to, to dig into some perspective, but we're going to add somebody new to the mix. Uh, we're going to do kind of a, a tag team Sunday Perspective show. And I'm, I'm doing that mostly to uh, to give our guest, um, not really our guest, a longtime friend of the show, but uh, you know they were the one who kind of inspired me to, to dig into this topic. So I thought it'd be fun to sort of have a back and forth with them. So uh, we're going to do that. But yeah, basically, um, you know, the, the topic of today's Sunday Perspective is really going to be about you know, a lot has changed in the last 10 years, a lot of um, ways in which we deploy technology and how we organize our, our IT organizations and other things like that uh, have changed. And there's been a lot of perspective on, you know, why things should change in order to, you know, to move towards the cloud, move towards digital transformation and all those sort of things. And it feels like, uh, you know, with, uh, with the economy getting, you know, a little less hot as it has been over the last decade or so, that we're starting to reverse back to actually acting, actually acting our, asking ourselves, acting ourselves, asking ourselves, uh, you know, should we have made all those changes? Are they really the right things? And, and, you know, it sort of makes me wonder, uh, especially with a lot of the articles that are starting to come out and some perspectives from various people, um, you know, did we get digital transformation wrong? Did we get a lot of things, uh, potentially wrong? And, and some of the things that we ridiculed, uh, should we have not ridiculed those? So we're going to dig into those topics and kind of, uh, you know, get a multiple, multiple faceted perspective on that. We're going to do that right after the break. How annoying. Did you know that 17 out of 20 people stop watching a video because of stalling and rebuffering? Don't let your users click away to a competitor's site. If your business lies on online media, rely on CDN 77 to deliver a seamless online experience to your audience. CDN 77 is one of the leading global providers of content delivery network services. They power the world's most popular websites and apps such as Udemy, ESL Gaming, Live Sports TV, and social media platforms. Aside from their massive and redundant global network, you're going to love their no BS attitude and skilled team of engineers ready to help 24-7. No chatbots, no tickets bouncing around unresolved for days, just people who know your use case and can immediately help you pinpoint and fix the problems. Don't wait until your users run out of patience. Go to cdn77.com slash cloudcast and ask for a free trial with no duration or traffic limits. That's cdn77.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're uh, we're doing a little bit of a of a different kind of Sunday perspective today. Um, partially because, 
you know, sometimes topics need uh, more than one perspective, uh, more than my perspective, but also because I got the inspiration for this one from uh, from our good friends over at Software Defined Talk. And so good to have a uh, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show and uh, multiple time guest, Brandon Wichard. Welcome back to the show, man. Good to have you back on. Thank you, Brian. Sunday's Perspective is one of my favorite episodes of uh, Cloudcast. So I feel honored to be on on this episode today with you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned, like I got kind of inspired for this one uh, in listening to your show. You and uh, you and Kote were were kind of going you were, you were going through some some news of the week kind of things. And you were talking about this big change that's happening in Japan where they they finally outlawed floppy disks. And it's like a government mandate. You got to get rid of floppy disks. And, you know, on the surface, you go like, okay, that's weird, but, it, you know, it's an article I got written. And, but you guys kind of highlighted this important piece, the, the, this angle, which I think is, is the reason I wanted to talk today is, you know, most people would think like, oh, well, that, you know, I haven't touched a floppy disk in literally 20 or 25 years. But obviously, this is floating around in important parts of, of say, the Japanese government and probably lots of other places. And somebody just had to put the, put the foot down. They had to basically be a jerk about this. And and you guys brought up the the idea of like, well, maybe this is what we really need for digital transformation. We're now at that stage where the hardest problems require like hard, angry, nasty people. And I'm like, I don't ever remember asshole being part of any DevOps day, you know, like requirement. <laughs> so I'm so I'm curious, like, are we now at the stage where, you know, everything we used to know about about digital transformation and so forth is is kind of you know we're having to go back and and re-question whether or not all those those ideas were good ideas well i think some of it for sure and i think you know to put a little bit more detail on that so yeah so in japan they have a digital um they call it a digital ambassador you know basically ministry and so he is quote unquote declaring war on the floppy disk to get uh, rid of it there's it's still not even um completely been uh replaced and i you know m- the point was and i think that war metaphor unfortunately gets used too much right it's really no, no, nothing no we're not at war but like the mentality like i understand having watched so many of these digital transformation efforts right like what it really takes to get something finished and especially in like large enterprises and everyone listening to this i bet you can think of something in their corporation some kind of like known problem that they wish could go away that's obviously should be done away with but the organization just fights it like almost impossible to get it done and so it, you know that's where we were talking about and that's where i think we are today where you know so much of the time is talked about technology so much of your podcast and our podcast is we like to talk about you know microservices and kubernetes and all of that but what it comes down to some of these efforts and especially governmental efforts, right? These things can last five and 10 years And finding somebody that uh, I think what, well, you know, <laughs> use the word asshole, but I think we'll, we'll say we're, uh, we'll just say persistent, right? Yeah. Finding somebody that's going to make it their mission and not give up and getting this done in this case, the floppy disk, right? And be persistent over a long period of time to get it done is incredibly difficult, right? I think most of the times we talk about startup founders and people building new companies that have obvious economic incentives to do that. Like, should the company become very successful, um, they're going to make millions, maybe billions of dollars in some cases, right? In this case, this uh, Japanese minister, like, I don't think he's going to even get, you know, be lucky if anyone even thinks him, right? Like, you have to find a very unique person that's sort of motivated to do it, that's going to get through it, that's internally motivated because they're going to experience nothing but pain. So when we kind of come back to thinking about like the DevOps days and things like that, it's like, 
I do think I have kind of come to the point like you have to find this extremely persistent person that isn't going to give up. And, you know, I, as much as anyone enjoy working with like, you know, good management and having good relationships, but sometimes like the person that you need to have needs to be very, very persistent. And sometimes they come across as an asshole. That seems to be the only way a lot of these things happen. Yeah. I, well, and I think there's, there, I think there's two interesting angles for this. One is, you know, we, we've gone through a long period of time here and, you know, partially in the pandemic, but even, even, you know, the four or five years before that, where it wasn't unusual that somebody was going to stay in their job for say two years, there was a lot of what we called resume driven development. So it was like, Hey, yeah, I learned Kubernetes and I put that in my resume and then I got five new job offers or, or whatever it was. Like th- this might be the beginning of people who, like, we're going to start seeing articles written of like, why aren't you staying in your job longer? Why, you know, like how are, why aren't you getting rewarded for staying longer? Cause I feel like this guy up amongst all the digital transformation projects that you see talked about, right? Some new mobile application or some, you know, AI bot that got added to a website. Like this guy's going to have an ROI that he can distinctly point to on his resume and be like, I saved, uh, you know, the taxpayers of Japan or the government of Japan, like hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm sure he, you know, he put together a big spreadsheet for this whole thing. Like, do you think this is the beginning of, of people, you know, staying in their jobs longer because there's, there's value and persistence? Well, I would hope so. And I think it's more around if you're not going to necessarily stay in your job longer, that the people running this, somebody's going to be there for a while. Maybe it's the CEO. Maybe in this case, it's the government administration is to build a program and to have somebody driving it. Maybe this digital minister isn't going to be the one actually literally implementing the code, converting things to PDF, you know, getting, you know, removing the disk drives, right? But that person can put in place at least the structure right? And say that we have to keep this going. And then I I really do think though, if it's going to happen, if you truly want it to happen, you know, in this case, that administration needs to find a way to keep that person involved for a long period of time. And I do think what you're talking about, I think is really, really common is like a lot of startups, a lot of small companies, very common to see. And I think it's, it's not like this is bad, but you see 24 months, 36 months, you you see these 10 years, I think, you know, CMOs, I feel like, you know, that's probably one of the shortest durations. I see a lot of them make it 18 months. And, and I think what happens a lot of times is people come in and do something that's tangible, right? But, you know, I'm used to overuse the metaphor, low hanging fruit or something that's at least high profile. Right. And maybe they'll rebrand the company. Maybe they'll get through a product launch. And, you know, all of that is a a jumping off point for something new. But what you just said, I think, is incredibly important. Right. Is that like to quantify what this floppy disk thing is costing Japan? I mean, you said hundreds of millions. I bet. I mean, I bet you it's even bigger. Right. And to solve a really, really big problem like this you got to be committed for like, I think something like five and 10 years. And to talk more positively about it, like Capital One is, uh, you know, one bank that I think has spoken publicly at many conferences, right? And I think they're on record saying that their movement from on-premise data centers to, in this case, I think in mostly AWS in their case, took over 10 years, right? So, and if you think about that, or if we go back and talk about uh, Amazon, right? Amazon moving off Oracle's databases, I think it took something like 15 years. So, if we think about these projects, right, and we think about how long that they take, right, it's really important to think about who's going to be here doing that. And having people come on and off a project is fine, but finding a leader or building an organization that is sort of going to stay focused on this for a long period of time is the only way it's going to succeed. Because in the case of Japan, like I'm sure everybody has been looking at the floppy disk for well over 20 plus years being like, we should fix it. But here they remain, right? Here they're still stuck and, you know, and they can't get off it. Right. Nobody took the initiative for it. Yeah. No, I, I think 
you know, and I, and I think about this in, in what I want to be the sort of the second part of this conversation is, you know, we, we, we talk a lot on the show, you know, keep up to date on, on new technologies, make sure you're, you're, you know, sort of building your career. I'm wondering if, if this doesn't become the, the impetus for sort of a new thing, right? Let, maybe we call it ROI ops. And we obviously we'd have to have a foundation for it. We'd have to have a conference somewhere. But that person who is, is going to be dedicated to building these ROI models to be, to be, you know, like you said, pragmatic about it, persistent about it. I think there's a there's an opportunity for for sort of a new new buzzword associated with ops, which obviously is is what always drives our industry. I think there's a possibility for that, um, and I'm I'm excited about it. But here's here's where I here's where I'm kind of going with the second part of it because I think we framed up the first part of this as like it feels like things are shifting a little bit, like we're starting to see some stuff that would have gotten ignored before is is now coming to the forefront. My other thing I'm wondering is we we spent the last 10 plus years talking about all this sort of hype new technology and moving faster and doing and it feels like in the last 6 months and maybe this is entirely driven by you know just sort of media narrative maybe it's because the economy's a little slower but maybe it's a real thing is like it feels like everything we talked about for the t- last 10 years moving to the cloud you know devops stuff you know bringing your teams together um software supply chain and moving faster like Every one of these art, every one of these topics, every one of these now has articles that are like, we got that all wrong. Like, <laughs> and I'm wondering like why that's happening all of a sudden. Like it's, we can't quantify it, but I feel like, you know, like the last month and a half, two months of cloud news of the week has been like, devs don't want to do ops. Uh, you know, VCs are writing about, you know, repatriating stuff back to the, to the public, you know, back into your data center, even though they've pumped tons of money into public cloud companies. Like, what's going on here? I, I'm trying to make sense of like, you know, like it, it feels like to a certain extent, everything we thought about digital transformation and stuff we were talking about at DevOps days is now being flipped on its head. <laughs> yeah, no, it's quite the observation there. I think, you know, maybe as a therapist would say, it's like, you know, you, you can you can move locations, but you take all your problems with you. And I think maybe in IT, right, to some, some degree, we've done some of that. And I think what we're seeing is not so much that we haven't made improvements. I think what it comes down to is sort of mismatched expectations is that there's always, you know, a new methodology, a new way of doing things, a new management trend. And many of these things are rooted in ideas that will make us better in some ways. The problem usually is the expectations, is that we think it's going to cure all the problems that we had before. And then as we kind of adopt them more, um, I think Agile is a good example of this, right? You know, there's lots of, you know, funny ways people make fun of Agile today, or they call it Agile or Waterfall or things like that. And I think that's just a good example of like, yes, we do things a lot more iteratively than maybe it was done in say like 1990s. But, you know, that belief that, Agile was going to solve all these problems or we were going to get to the point that there isn't any quarterly planning, right? That everything is just figured out every two weeks ahead of time. And the rest of the organization is going to get there. Like, I think we can all kind of say to ourselves, like, for the most part, that doesn't happen. So there's kind of like this backlash. I think that's what always happens is it comes back and people start to relook at it and say, like, is this delivering on what was promised? And when it isn't, right, I think there's probably this tendency to overreact and say, well, nothing has changed. And it's like, well, no, things are better, but right. they are not nearly as, if you will, uh, fixed to the point that there isn't going to be new innovation or new ways to do things. And, you know, and I think the the devs not wanting to work ops, it's like, you know, the simple fact is like, nobody wants to carry the pager, right? Like, I mean, I get it. Like, I'm, <laughs> I understand it. If you've ever carried the pager, you, there's often a, a, a feeling of like, I would like to get a job where I don't have to carry the pager anymore. And I think many people have gone through that progression in their careers. And I'm not saying that's all that DevOps is, but 
I think you kind of, when you say to a group of developers or people that maybe have you know gotten to the point, they don't want to do that anymore. And you say, okay, you're on call, you're doing the rotation as part of DevOps. You know, there is this time, I think like it's looking at and saying like, okay, is, is it really working? Are people really buying off on that? And if not, why not? Right. And if, you know, is there a different way of doing it or, or, you know, this idea of like putting it all together, having all the roles, if you will, in one central team, maybe that's not exactly the perfect way to do it. Yeah. I, I think, I think what we're going to find is, is we're, we're going to, and this happens anytime, you know, you, you get sort of, let's say slowdowns in the economy or just stuff like we're, we're going to move into sort of an era of accountability. And I think for, for a while, like people would, people would make these, these wild claims, right? Like they'd make these claims that to a certain extent sounded like at first glance, you'd be like, huh? So, like, so stuff that jumps out at me, right? So, uh, Werner Vogel's, uh, AWS CTO kind of, you know, famously quoted, like you write it, you, you write it or you build it, you run it. And people were like, <laughs> I, I, like cool for a t-shirt, but like, really, you know? And then you had, you had Andrew Clay Schaefer who would run around at DevOps days and go, there is no, uh, there's no shortage of tech talent. There's no shortage. You're just looking at it wrong. And then like this week, uh, Lydia Leong, who, you know, is famous over at Gartner for doing the magic quadrant. It's like, we have a distinct cloud uh, shortage. So it's like, okay, I got that. And then you've got, uh, like, I feel like we're going to be having, or, you know, just even basic stuff. Like I know you guys love the whole idea that like, there is no real thing is like a blameless postmortem. Or even just the idea of like, hey, we're going to do agile development. And agile development means that every single day we have to do stand-ups and scrum. And people are like, I hate doing meetings, but I guess that's the new. Like, I feel like we're going to get some accountability or like some, I don't know, some reckoning come to these things that people go, that sounds cool. But like, we just can't do that at our company. And whereas for the last five or six years, people have been like, I guess we're going to have to figure out how to do that at our company. We're going to have to open an open source program office, even though we don't really publish any software and like all kinds (laughs) of stuff like that. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And I think, I, and I, you know, to your, to your kind of broader point there, it's like, I think, you know, everything you see at a conference or everything that you see printed on a t-shirt, I think it always deserves a lot more scrutiny, right? Like, you know, we've uh, certainly on our podcast, I think here as well, like, you know, there's lots, you know, there's lots of, uh, if you will, origin stories out there, but then you go read some of the books behind like the origin stories of any of like AWS and all those other things. And it's just, you know, it's a lot different. So even at the places that are quote unquote doing it great, like Netflix was held up for a long, long time and still technology wise, probably doing it better than most. But that does, as we've seen with Netflix recently, that doesn't, you know, cure all of your problems. So as we go forward, I do think you are going to see people kind of looking at it more and more. And also too, like things continuously change. Like, you know, we talk a lot about DevOps, right? But like, you know, I always say to myself, like if you, there's this whole group of security people that kind of sit to the side, right? And they're just sort of like, okay, it's great. You're all working together. Um, And then they'll just like to disinvent a new word, like DevSecOps. And they're like, they're like, where do I go? And then sometimes they're like, well, wait a minute. I don't care what you've done with your super advanced pipeline. I still got to go through and do all my security stuff. And, you know, all of these things, as the organization gets bigger, right, things start to need to change, right? Because that's a that's another friction point that doesn't get talked about as much at these conferences, but it's still just as important. So as you kind of see that, right, you know, things get looked at, right? Can we, can we be agile? If not, why aren't we being agile? And then just sort of like, are we looking at how people want to work, right? You know, that's kind of back to like the devs not wanting to do um, carry the pager all the time. Not saying that applies to all uh, developers, but like some don't. And some problems are going to be kind of these hard software engineering problems that probably don't have a ton of ops work, at least at the beginning. So it's something to think about as we, we kind of like, you know, continue on with our digital transformation journeys here. Yeah, I like to say in, in certain circles that like DevOps is great as long as you remember it's a French word and the dev part is silent. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, 
Yes. I, I, I have started to come back to this. I'm, I'm wondering, and again, like we, we've all sort of lived in this. And if you remember, like Gartner came out many, many years ago and got just absolutely brutalized when they said, hey, the future of IT is going to be, you know, bimodal IT, where you're going to have some stuff that really won't change. And then you're going to have this, you know, new fast stuff. And everybody was like, well, that's cool. As long as I get to be in the fast group and nobody <laughs> wants to be in the other group. And you're like, it's kind of how it's playing out. Like it's, you know, as much as everybody wants to beat up on Gartner all the time, you're sort of like, I was kind of prescient. Like, yes, there will be a fast group and that fast group won't look anything like it. And in reality, you probably won't drag along the group that's responsible for the systems that can never go down and don't need to move off the mainframe. Like the mainframe's still growing. Like everybody predicted the death of that. I well, feel like to a certain extent, we're going we're gonna to come back and re-examine bimodal IT. Well, I think what they're saying is like, and that's how you get floppy disk, right? Floppy disk, that's in the, whatever, the slow lane, right? And I think, you know, we're sort of picking on Japan a little bit because I think that article is really good. But like, there's another one here, like, let's pick on the United States is that in the IRS here, the, there's an IRS report uh, that came out says the IRS has a backlog of 21.3 million unprocessed paper tax returns um, at the end of May, 2022, right? So, and they're basically losing ground. Like every year they do more, but they're kind of coming back. And so- you could say, well, what does a paper tax return have to do with anything? Well, I would say to me, that's a digital transformation project. Like who is going to walk in at the United States government and be like, we got to figure out a way to, you know, find, apply some technology. So one, people are, are not filing through, through paper anymore. Like one, that's got to be question one. How do we do the outreach? How do we get people doing it? And then two, what kind of technology can we apply other than people manually typing in the tax returns ourselves um, to get this done? And, you know, if you don't do it, right? I mean, like, think of like, you know, you were talking, you know, hundreds of millions, like think of the wasted time and money. Some of this, I'm sure some taxpayers are waiting on some refunds. And so, you know, these, these huge things kind of back to your bimodal IT, it's like, it is very easy to to allow another part of the organization to apply some of the things like Agile and DevOps. But then you're right, you kind of, if you will, you end up with this huge tech backlog or project backlog that just sits around for years and years and years. And like the untold savings inside of these projects is huge. So as we go forward, you know, we kind of joke a little bit on our podcast that we should just have a conference called Legacy Conference where we just talk about problems like this. Like they're boring problems that have huge ROI um, potentials if you actually fix them, but it really takes organizations and people that are dedicated to kind of doing the mundane. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that one's another perfect example, right? Like that one is one that we, we, we started, you know, we, we call that problem like technical debt, right? And I think it's a marketing problem, right? Like if you, if you're telling people, Hey, we have technical debt, people are like, well, I don't want to pay my debt. Like, I don't need to deal with that. I can keep pushing it off. It can keep, it keep we start going, if we start calling this thing ROI ops, and I think maybe between the two of our shows, we can start getting behind, you start applying ROI ops to that thing. And now it's like, oh, we're going to drive revenue, look at all the programs that are going to be created. If we can get through these tax that are, that are backlogs, we'll probably have like, you know, anti ROI ops conferences because people don't want to pay their taxes. But like, <laughs> I think this is a, this could just be a marketing problem. I think if we come up with a different way to look at like technical debt, which sounds like a very negative thing and something that is somebody else's problem. That might be the new way to look at this, right? Like we might we might just need some new ways to to sort of look at the same problems, but we just need them in a new light, right? I think that might be that might be the answer to some of these things. I like it. No, I do. And I think, you know, finding a way, finding these big problems and setting out to fix them, whatever you want to call it, you know, ROI hunting or something along the, that idea is I think, you know, 
probably some of the biggest things, because, you know, kind of back to what you were saying before, it's like, it feels like nothing's changed, but we'll just take banking for a minute. Like, you know, way back in the 1990s, you know, it feels like a long time ago. Uh, although I remember it's like, you know, you used to have to like, you got your bills, people actually mailed you um, in, in the mail, you got a bill, you would sit down, you know, usually people had their own systems, but like once a month you sit down, you would write paper checks and you would send them off. Right. And it was right. like, just crazy. Right. And it's like, we have come extremely far. We just don't think about it. Now, all of that stuff can be done online. All of the, most of the banking people do is done online. So you've seen these huge changes. So it's not all like doom and gloom. It's not like things haven't changed in the last 20 years. It's just that we have a long, long way to go. And I would say, you know, like kind of to your ROI thing here, it's like, um, I like to say, you know, the, the biggest ROI in digital transformation was probably by Jeff Bezos in the, his famous, you know, Amazon's API mandate, right? The idea that, you know, he he ultimately, you know, and I guess him and uh, Jassy and, you know, who, who knows exactly how it went down, but whether they did it intentionally or not, they saw sort of like, hey, it's just getting to the point that these organizations cannot communicate, our departments rather, and everything has to be um, become an API. And that really, if you go back in time, that's sort of the beginning and spawned AWS, right? It's so the ultimate digital uh, transformation. Yeah, I mean, I really did. And so AWS, you know, roughly we think some is going to be on the order of $100 billion yep. of revenue here at some point. And like, so, you know, you have to like work the financial model, but it's it's worth a lot of money, right? And I think, you know, that's kind of the thing that people need to look at and say like, wow, that was, you know, that's one of the biggest technology companies in the world. And that really started now. And Jeff Bezos is, uh, I think most people characterize him as like a persistent person, shall we yeah. say? Yeah. And he's yeah, a yeah, demanding yeah. person and uh, that culture, uh, of leaders that he uh, stuck, um, stayed with it. Like we've talked a lot about Jassy and um, now some of the, the new people there. So it probably, you know, it's at least something to look at. Like, you know, who is, uh, wh- what is your Jeff Bezos API moment? Like, and, and who's going to push it through? So like, you know, kind of back to like, I guess, you know, we're both here in the US. It's like, is there anybody uh, in the United States government? He's like, yep, we are getting rid of this 21.3 million uh, unprocessed uh, paper tax returns. We're going to get it done and we're going to find a way so that every single one of these things comes in electronically going forward. And it's going to save the company, or in this case, the United States government, like, I don't know, probably trillions of dollars. So hopefully somebody's doing that, but it will take a very unique person to take on that challenge. Yeah. I mean, this might be, now that I'm thinking about it, like this might be like the next Stephen O'Grady Red Monk book, but like, I mean, he, if he could write a book that was basically like, you know, from the the API memo to the floppy disk uh, mandate, and like the story of in between, like you know those moments. Who was the person that led them? You know, kind of kind of a digital transformation uh, chronology, if you will. I think there I think there'd be a bunch of interesting stories in there if people would would come forward with them. In fact, maybe- yeah. And the- and the one that I'm specifically hunting for, I want the person to come on because uh, uh, FedNow, you know, this has been a, a pet project I've been watching for a long time. You know, instant payments in the United States. The fact that, you know, Brian, that one day you could just, using your bank account, you could just send me whatever, $100 instantly without having to use one of the many, many uh, payment services in between. The fact that, like, this is done pretty much everywhere in the world, at least all over Europe, and I think most of Asia, it looks like it's going to happen here in the, so the United States government doing something good. They, it says, I guess, a lot of instant payments, starting in maybe July, 2023. So whoever did it, like who, who's the person we, that's a hero, whoever that person is that got this done, that is actually going to make it happen. That's going to take us off this godforsaken ACH, you know, three day, no weekend uh, processing system. 
I, I again, I don't know. Um, there, I know there's the Congressional Freedom of uh, uh, Metal that you can get. There should be some equivalent in IT. It's like you have you have achieved something in IT no one thought was possible. So if that person does exist and if that person uh, completes the project, I hope they get the right recognition. Yeah, no, and I'm looking forward to them doing like a 10-part series interview on your show. I know you guys want to grill <laughs> in and get into all the details. I'm excited about that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I like, I, I'm so, sort of, I'm going to summarize this because we both got things to do and I wrap it up. But like, I, I'm now sort of convinced after talking through these things, we've either, we've either gotten to the very last Cloudcast show we're ever going to do because we've basically <laughs> been like, Hey, everything we talked about for the last 12 years, null and void, you can ignore it. Or we're just at the inflection point And we've now got 12 more years of the flip side of whatever we just talked about uh, to go talk about. I, I feel like we're, we're definitely at that. We're either at the very end or the very beginning of, of, uh, of what we're going to talk about coming next. Totally agree. Love it. Well, good. Brandon, uh, real quick, as always, uh, plugs. Where can people uh, find the good stuff that you guys do for Software Defined Talk? They should all, everyone right now, just look in your podcast player, search for Software Defined Talk, and uh, subscribe. And that would be fantastic. You can go out to softwaredefinedtalk.com. And there we've got a list of all of our other episodes, all of our social platforms, and all those things. So uh, come listen to us. We'd love to have you as a listener. And join the Slack channel. Of course, join the Slack channel. Lots of stuff happening in the Slack, always. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if nothing else, is, I mean, this is a preview for the uh, the world-renowned uh, AWS keynote watching party that happens here in a couple of months. So if, you, if you're going right. to join for ready. anything else, join for that. <laughs> We're getting ready. <laughs> that's, just, that's right. November's coming quickly. All right. Well, good. Brandon, great to talk to you, folks. Uh, everything's changing. Everything you know uh, is, is being turned on its head. Uh, we covered a lot of that here. But uh, thanks, you all, for listening. Thanks for growing the show. Thanks for telling a friend. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.